Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the Heart of Markness podcast. This is today's fresh off the presses Mike Millard Master from the beautiful Gems Group. And it is U2, April 12th, 1992 at the LA Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. And you're like, Mark, U2? Really? Let's see. You've done Peter Green, Thin Lizzy, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Queen, David Bowie, and U2? U2, motherfuckers. It's a wide spectrum. I cast a wide net. And uh, you know what? In 1992... They were awesome. You know, if you were around back then, they were enormously huge. And, you know, Achtung Baby is one of the greatest divorce breakup albums I've ever heard. And maybe it's because it was a divorce breakup album released when I was getting divorced for the first time. Um, Maybe it has relevance that way, but it certainly, you know, was not a sleeper hit. It was titanically huge on the heels of them being titanically huge for half a decade and really famous for another half a decade. And one thing you 2 did, and this is kind of the tail end of that, this is their peak uh, relevance, was when they went from being the super minimalistic punk kind of uh, walk away, walk away, I will follow to uh, when Brian Eno paired up with them. And uh, much like he did with David Bowie, he redefined the sound. And David Bowie is a titanic talent who needs no help in redefining himself and creating product, yet the partnership he had with Eno was amazing and very synergistic. Now, you two, I think, benefited more from their collaboration with... Brian Eno, because starting with 1984's Unforgettable Fire, and I'm going from memory here, so bear with me if I screw things up, uh, you two went from being that, you know, if you're of my age, you know, <laughs> middle-aged, watching MTV and seeing Bono back when he, you know, had long hair and the vest, and was oh so earnest with the white flag and no war and surrender and all that stuff, you two at Red Rocks. In the name of love. They put on a good show and he's got a hell of a voice. He's got a hell of a voice kind of in a way that Freddie Mercury does as far as it's remarkably powerful and almost always great. And it conveys a lot of emotion. And they're Irish, so their music has a lot of emotion and feeling and comes from a place of emotion and feeling. And... um. Their partnership with Brian Eno really fleshed out, gave them a rich, complex, deep sound. And starting with, um, you know, little pride in the name of love in the song, Unforgettable Fire, uh, morphing through to the Joshua Tree, one of the best albums of the 80s, hands down. I mean, it got overplayed to death and almost every song on it was a hit. So it's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, Ugh. 
but it's also if you can get into a space you know I've done this with things that were played to death back in the 80s revisiting them like revisiting um, Twilight Zone by Golden Earring and just l trying to listen to it as a song and not as like man I saw this video 300,000 times in the 80s or uh, Big Log Robert Plant amazing song played to death you know, U2 has that thing for people of a certain age, a certain generation, of which, you know, I'm smack dab in the middle. So they're U2, I'm Gen X, it works. Um, the Joshua Tree was incredibly powerful. They were a huge band after that. They were headliners. And then they tried to go back to the roots of rock and roll and the Americana with... <coughs> Rattle and Hum, where they did, you know, recordings at Sun Studios and played with B.B. King, and, uh, it was, uh, okay, and, uh, it was okay, and then somebody, I think it was The Edge, got divorced, or maybe a couple of them got divorced over that time. You know, you reach that point where everybody kind of turns 30-ish, and uh, suddenly you're a millionaire, multi-millionaire, and one of the biggest stars in the world. And uh, half, <laughs> half of that looks pretty good for people. And uh, marriages don't make it during the best of times a lot of the time. So imagine the stress and the weirdness of suddenly being a rock star. And, uh, I don't know. Anyways, a couple of them went through some divorces. At least The Edge did. And, uh, Achtung Baby recorded in Berlin with Brian Eno, like he did with David Bowie. Um, was released in 92, I think? Oddly enough, I spent, I had spent a year living as a very good boy, a very good boy, in an ashram in uh, upstate New York. I was, a uh, a celibate vegetarian meditator. And uh, it was the best year of my life in many ways. Super great. Learned a lot of shit. And uh, came out in 92. And Achtung Baby came out. And it was just, this is amazing. Because, you know, I'd been out of the loop for a year. And um, Jesus, it was, it was such a good album. Such a good album. So lush, mature, and touching upon not just peace. Why can't we all have peace on earth? Let's fight the system. No war. To the bitch is leaving me. That sucks. Um, and the vulnerability and the passion and the power. And it's just a great album. Start to finish. It's a great album, a great experience, a great sonic experience, too. Thanks to Mr. Eno. Um, and this is also when U2 redefined their persona, or at least Bono did, and he went from being super earnest, hard-on-my-sleeve guy, I'm meeting B.B. King, so I'm going to cry, to shade-wearing, cigarillo-smoking, leather, pants, leather, jacket, aloof rock star. It was just a persona. He created a persona called The Fly. It Bullshit. It was a persona he created so he could act like the asshole he felt like he was entitled to be, in my opinion. And uh, they put on a great tour called the Zoo TV Tour. And um, 
this is from that. It is excellent. The only thing that is better is the next year. They Their follow-up album uh, to Octung Baby was called Zuropa, and it, it it's not as good. Um, the great U2 albums ended with Octung Baby, and after that, it's just been albums that have good songs on them here and there. In my opinion, not being a U2 aficionado, but uh, Zuropa was released kind of unfinished because the tapes or progress tapes had been bootlegged and the album was essentially out on the black market. So U2 was like, well, shit, if it's already out, let's just put out what we have and then stem this before it becomes, you know, an issue. And they released it and it was, I mean, it's okay. It has good songs, but it doesn't have that common theme. It doesn't, I mean, you can't, if you don't have a message and you're doing an album because it's just time to do an album, it, you're going to get that. But um, the follow-up tour, the, the, the Zuropa tour, I'm trying to think. Yes, the Zuropa tour the following year was incredible. It was incredible. It's essentially this, but perfected. And um, Bono came up with another persona called Mac Fisto, where he's the devil. And it's cheesy, but he they pull it off because because they're you too, and it was the '90s, and they were the best at what they were doing, you know, in, in an odd way. Um, I love this period. I love this album. I love this show. I love that Mike Millard was there to tape it, and I'm, I love that it's been released and that we're going to hear it. Now I'm going to play much like I did with the Lou Reed show that I released five hours ago. Um, I'm going to stay with the mu- mostly the music that's contemporary to the show. So I'm going to play mostly Achtung Baby tracks on this Achtung Baby tour because uh, that's what I want to hear. That's what they were playing. That's what's new. And what I want you to pay attention to is the audience. In European audiences, you hear this all the time at those giant festivals, the audience singing along with every song that every band plays. You don't really hear that much in America. Um, you've heard it with Led Zeppelin and I've pointed it out as part of their magic when the audience is completely drawn in and at one with the band and it's, it's magnificent. The ocean that Robert sings about, um, U2 has this with this LA crowd in 92. Okay. These are brand new songs. These are brand new songs and they're singing along with them. Because they mean something to these people. They mean something to me. They mean something to the generation that heard them. And it's here is a demonstration of why you two ever mattered. Why they ever mattered. Why The Edge was in that movie with Jimmy Page and Jack White. Why? Because, I mean, you two for the last 15 years has almost been like a... a county fair level, even though they play festivals and are huge, but I mean, they, they, um, I just equate you two ever since like 1995 to now the last two, no, 25 years, not 15 years, the last quarter century. I picture the U two being kind of on the same career arc as the Rolling Stones. Um, people kind of stopped caring about the Rolling Stones albums around 1990 and went to see them live because you I want to go see the Stones. Fuck yeah, I want to go see the Stones. And with U2, it's like, you're going to go see U2? Fuck yeah, I'm going to go see U2. Did you get their new album? Fuck no. 
<laughs> and then they did that thing with Apple where everybody who had an iPhone uh, was just given a U2 album and it pissed people off. It's like, get this shit off my phone. Um, so, I mean, they shot their wad. They definitely had their time in the sun and now they're... <sighs> I don't know what they are. They're just famous. Famous. I mean, they still put on a good show for being 60. Bono's voice is st- they still doing it. Um, not with the same force. But you can't expect that because, you know, Bono's voice is strong. So he can even keep the range. But you're going to lose some of that force with age. Anyways, another 12 and a half minute ramble. That made no sense. Well, hopefully it made some sense. And anyways, this music meant a lot to me, means a lot to me. And uh, listening to it takes me right back to... (laughs) Takes me right back to mid-1992, because my first horrible bad choice marriage fell apart, you know, uh, three weeks after this show happened. And it should have. I mean, that was just a mistake start to finish. It was very, 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 very short-lived. Um... But it fucked me up real good. Anywho, let's get to this, shall we? It is, uh, once again, April 12th, 1992. Another Mike Millard master. It was a sports arena, large show. Mike was not in his typical preferred sweet spot for recording. So it is not the world's best Mike Millard recording. But that doesn't mean it's a bad recording in it by any means. It's an excellent, excellent recording. It's just not going to be that take your breath away that you sometimes get when uh, Mike when Millard is where he wants to be in the optimal position. So what we're going to listen to first of all is going to be one. Oh, look at that. I told a lie. All right. Looking at the songs that I picked out, we're going to listen to a few Octung Baby songs, but we're also going to listen to not a few Octung Baby songs. So scratch what I said about uh, artistic integrity and staying with the the songs that were of the time, because uh, looks like we go all, go all, all over the place here. All right, here's the song One. Great song. So emotional. Did I ask too much? More than a lot. You gave me nothing now, that's all I got. Someone, someone's heart's broken. All right, here you go. Is it getting better? Do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You said, One life was one year in the night. One you get to share it. You leave your bed. You've been in your mouth. 
good. High power. Did you notice that when they started playing the song, the audience went crazy? You know you're at the top of your game when the audience loses their shit over your new material. Because usually, you know, even with Led Zeppelin, you can hear the very first time they played Stairway to Heaven in Ireland in March of 71. And the audience was like, that's very nice. How about Whole lot of Love? You know, they were appreciative. They were like, okay, that was cool. But it wasn't like, my life is transformed. Um, <laughs> but these guys on this show were. They lose their mind to this new stuff because this album was huge. This album was huge. If you were either too young to remember it, which is unlikely given my demographic, or too old to give a shit when it came out, which is more likely because of my demographic, Octung Baby was enormous in a way that we don't have albums that are big like that anymore because we don't really don't have albums anymore. Everything's digital. So it's a weird a weird phenomena and there's really no I don't know. I don't want to get off on that. Alright, how about we go to another song? Man, I was gonna play bad, but I don't know if I'm gonna play bad. You know that one, uh I'm wide awake. I'm not sleeping. I don't know. Maybe I'll play that. U2, one thing U2 always did is they would put out EPs between albums, and they would be live EPs. Like, they put out Live at Red Rocks between Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree. And their singles, when they, you know, back, back when there were singles, and uh, would have great B-sides. They would have live B-sides or... Uh, Joshua Tree had a bunch of B-sides that were really good. I think they did Dance in Barefoot, the Patti Smith song. I know they did. I don't know if it was for Joshua Tree or if it was an outtake from Akhtung Baby. Akhtung Baby had a ton of great outtakes. Um, shit, I'm just remembering all the stuff I used to own. Like the Joshua Tree 45s were released on like cardstock sleeves. They were magnificent. And, um, shit, I think one of the 45s, actually, the B-side was played at 33 and a third so they could fit two songs on it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But, man, I had those. I had all those Joshua Tree 45s. I had the Joshua Tree 12 inches. I had... I had this thing from, like, 1981 U2. Um... It was like a shoe tree that you hang at the on the back of your door, just little plastic pockets, but each one was a, a 45 on, on Island Records, I believe. And, um, man, I had all the CD singles for Octung Baby. I had the vinyl for Octung Baby, the B-sides. Oh, back in the days of mixtapes. Back when I was young. Oh, dear Lord. What has happened? Everything's gotten easier. And somehow, the colors don't seem to shine as bright. Maybe that's just what getting older is. Who knows? Why are you getting melancholy, Mark? I don't know. Probably because this all just comes from an era where I was tremendously disenchanted and unhappy and disillusioned with everything. So it's probably just hearkening back to those halcyon days. The ones that you were just saying were so good. Yeah. All right. Let's listen to another song from Achtung Baby. And this is Ultraviolet. Very good song. Oh, man. Yay. 
I'm sorry, I'm just listening to the song in my head before I play it, which I shouldn't do because that's just dead air for you people. All right, Ultraviolet. Again, beautiful Mike Millard Master brought together, brought to us by the Gems Group. He was recorded on the world-famous Nakamichi 550 cassette recorder with AKG 451E microphones and uh, transferred from the Master to a, a digital audio tape at some point but not a stepped-on digital audio tape with the 32 kilohertz. No, no, it's it's full spectrum, so it's good. Um, and then taken from that, run through Soundforge, Adobe Audition, and here we go. Thank you, Gems Group. And the set list, because I'm going to put this up on heartofmarkness.com for you to download. You can download this whole show for yourself. And the show comprises of... Zoo Station, The Fly, Even Better Than the Real Thing, Mysterious Ways, One, Until the End of the World, Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses, Trying to Throw Your Arms Around the World, Angel of Harlem, remember that one, Satellite of Love, yes, the Lou Reed song, Bad, Bullet the Blue Sky, Running to Stand Still, Where the Streets Have No Name, Pride in the Name of Love, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Desire. Ultraviolet, which we're going to listen to. With or without you. And love is blindness. Now that's pretty badass. How many of those songs were you like, oh yeah. Right? So grab it. Live a little. All right, here we go. Ultraviolet. Baby, 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 light my way. Mark, are you stoned? A little. Here you go.
It's interesting because the show that I love, which is the last show of the Zuropa tour, the one a year down the road, um, they handle this material better. This is still great, but Bono leans into the rock star persona when he's uh, Macfisto, the devil, as a as a as a, a, a faded lounge singer persona um he delivers the songs with more pathos and more feeling and in better voice i mean he's in good voice here but it's funny hearing all these songs comparing it in my head to this show that i had had for decades listened to for decades i don't have any longer though i need to find it um it was it was a simulcast on the radio so it's out there i should find that again if anybody has that it's probably real common um i would love that man the show where they they close with the Elvis. You know, I can't help falling in love with you. Beautiful, beautiful show. Anyway, that's not the one we're listening to. But did you hear the audience? They were with it. They loved every second of it. They were connected, tied in, just going for it. And this is the new material. This is like, you know, the seventh new song the band has played. Now, the album was out, so it's not like these are songs that were unknown, but it just goes to show how powerful an album that was, because already by this time, and U2 was like maybe 30, 33 years old at that point, young still, um, and they already had, think of this, the hits that they could have played, uh, Angel of Harlem, When Loves Comes to Town, Desire. With or Without You, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, uh, Where the Streets Have No Name, Bad, Unforgettable Fire, Pride, I Will Follow, New Year's Day, Gloria, all those songs, and there's probably a dozen that I can't remember off the top of my head, because it's the first time I've had to think of the U2 catalog in its entirety in probably 20 years. So that wasn't that bad. Anyways, with all those songs that they could have played that were famous, to play all this new stuff and have the crowd love it, astonishing. And there's also, they remind, Coldplay reminds me of U2 in a way. In that U2, U2, the song structures are not complex. They're very pretty. They're very straightforward. Do, 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 do. It's not difficult, but it's pretty. And doing it with Brian Eno, filling it out in presentation like that and making it lush and gorgeous, it's wonderful. And that's kind of what Coldplay did. I know they, they were always compared to Radiohead, like Radiohead Light, but no, Radiohead's a different animal. Radiohead's their own animal, and, and one of these days I'll do some Radiohead. But um, in a lot of ways, they're like a U2 light, in that you have a singer with a great voice and a great falsetto singing songs with lots of feeling and emotion and tenderness and a band that's... I mean... 
the drummer's not a great drummer. The bass player's not a great bass player. The guitarist isn't a great guitarist. They're not bad in any way. That's in no way denigrating them, but in no way are they exceptional. The Edge is exceptional because of what he does with what he plays, the effects he uses, and, and the sound he creates. In that way, he's exceptional, and God bless him for that. And in all other ways, U2 is still superior, vastly, to Coldplay. But, I mean, I remember I saw Coldplay... I did. I saw Coldplay. Hello, my name is Mark, and I saw Coldplay in 2012 uh, with my second wife, um, not my second ex-wife, for our anniversary. I paid for really good seats, and it was like a 90-minute sensory assault of fun. It was awesome. But it was awesome in the same way that going to like the fair and eating that kind that that fair carnival food. It's like fuck yeah, I want an elephant ear. Fuck yeah, I want a giant turkey leg. Fuck yeah, I want a slushy. Fuck yeah, I want one of those. Fuck yeah, I want a giant pretzel. And then you're like, oh Jesus Christ, I feel terrible. It's that. It's fluff. Whereas you two isn't fluff. It's simple food. It's down home cooking. It's chicken and waffles. And it's like really simple food wonderful presentation and execution and Coldplay is like hey you want to go to McDonald's sure McDonald's is good and then you eat a shitload of it and you feel like you're gonna die so that's my YouTube Coldplay comparison compare and contrast thank you for joining me how about we play another song great Mark good idea we're gonna play the closer to the showser uh, the last song in their set probably their final encore Love is Blindness. Maybe they didn't do encores. Maybe they just did the whole thing and said, we're out. Um, Love is Blindness, I don't want to see. Another great song. Another great song and another great My Heart is Broken song. You know, Akutung Baby should have just been called <laughs> Bitches Ain't Shit. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's that hurt. It's that hurt of like, why she get half my shit? She didn't write <laughs> with her without you. No, but she was married to you when it was a material, uh, uh, you know, comfort and support during that time. And as such, she's required to and entitled to. It's like, oh, God. All right. Going way off the rails here. Way down an alley, as B.B. King says. All right. Love is blindness. <laughs> I don't want to see want to wrap the night april 12th 1992 mike millard los angeles earth heart of markness see you in a bit
Thank you.
Nice way to end the show. All it confirms is that I gotta find that Zuropa tour show and feature that because everything just is so much better. Even though this is good, it's so much better. Uh, love how the audience again tied in. They're along for the ride. They want to experience Octung Baby. They want to experience 1992 U2 in 1992. Now, in 2020, people want to experience 1992 U2 also, but you get 2020 U2, which means you get 12 songs that you never heard before, and then like six that you know. That's all right. That's rock and roll. That's music. That's life. That's entropy. That's how the wheel rolls on. Cliche, cliche, cliche. All right. Now we're done with the Octung Baby tracks. There's two more I want to play for you. We're 45 minutes in? Fuck it. We'll do it. Uh, first one is Running to Stand Still, which is off of Joshua Tree. It's a song about addiction. I think heroin addiction specifically. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful in the way the songs are beautiful. Like, Love is Blindness could totally, totally have been a Coldplay song. It just would have been like Kirkland brand U2, you know? Or uh, Kroger brand U2. It's almost, I mean, it's, 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 it's the same. No, it's, it's almost the same. Ah, uh, but it's good. All right. Running to stand still. Beautiful song. Heartbreaker. And again, great lyrics. Like in Love is Blindness. I mean, you two had, Bono could crank out good lyrics. Love is clockwork and cold steel. Fingers too numb to feel. Good stuff. Why do you sing so much, Mark? Uh, cause it's the weekend. This is a bonus episode. It's a little looser, man. It's like the 10 o'clock show. Runs a little blue. So here we go. Running to stand still.
Damn it, it's pretty. <laughs> that makes me happy. All right. One more song. We're going to do bad. Yeah. Wonderful song. I just re remembered how awesome you two were at Live Aid. I mean, um, Queen overshadowed everybody. But U2 was right up there in the top three, which is saying something, because that was before even um, Joshua Tree. That was just Unforgettable Fire was where they were. Unreal. 
Unreal, and he pulled that girl out of the audience and danced and did that, like, 12-minute bad. So good. Jesus Christ, they are rock stars. All right, they earn their stripes. Fuck it. I like you two. Kiss my ass. I mean, I like you two, like, 1984 through 1993. Nine years of the 40 they've been together. 40-something. Shit. Old getting old god damn it that's scary all right push it down uh bad all right let's hear bad wide awake i'm not sleeping all right that's all i'm gonna sing i learned my lesson here you go
plays the crowd like a fiddle. It's beautiful. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. They did the same thing that Zeppelin did as far as throwing other songs into a song. Bad would famously go into, like, Ruby Tuesday, Sympathy for the Devil, all kinds of different stuff. And, uh... And in this case, they they did a little reference to one of their other songs, which I think is on Rattle and Hum. All I Want Is You. When all I want is you. And, and you hear how the people responded to it? Instantly. They're totally tuned in, and they're delighted, and they're singing along. So impressively great. You know what else is impressively great? My patrons. Smooth segue, Mark. Get a sticker today going on the fridge for everyone to see. My patrons, the titans upon whose shoulders rests this podcast. My dear patrons, I will name them. If you want to join their ranks, you are welcome to patreon.com slash hardermarkness. Waiting for the names to load. Patreon's been a little nutty today because it's the first of the month and everyone gets their payouts, so the system's like, slow your roll. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to read them in reverse order. To Avi, Mimo, Bill, David, Mark, Peter, Tracy, Danielle, Brad, Wayne, and Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, dear friends. And a shout out to Evan. My honorary patron who emailed me and I lost his email and didn't even respond. I'm sorry, man. Thank you for the email. I deleted it completely and then emptied the trash in a giant purge. It wasn't like, I hate that guy. Um, but, yes. Thank you for the email. I can't remember who you suggested I do a podcast about, but, uh, no. It did not resonate. Um, no offense. It's just not my thing, I don't think. Although, if it turns out to be, I'll do it. If I ever remember who it was. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your support. All right. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, follow me on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. You can talk to me. Join the Facebook group. I have a Facebook group, Heart of Markness. No surprises there. A lot of great people. Got about 100 folks in there. They're all very, very nice. They're all very, very generous, kind, and fun. And uh, I have a website, heartofmarkness.com on which you are able to hear the podcast that you're already listening to, but you're also able to, most of the time, where applicable, download the shows that I draw the podcast from. So, like, you'll be able to get this entire show with the set list I read off to you. I think I read it off to you. I don't know. If I didn't, it's a great show. Um, and you can grab the whole Ding Dong Diddly th show for free because of my delicious patrons who pay for hosting SoundCloud, uh, where I host the podcast, hosting hardermarkness.com, uh, hosting the cloud server on Mega, where I keep all the songs that I give to you folks. So bless them twice. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody be good to yourselves and each other. It is now 6.41 p.m., and I've gotten two podcasts out today. And uh, do I have another one in me? Probably not, but I might. Oh, and tomorrow is another day. Fiddle-dee-dee. All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye.